only seen three Spider-Man movies, and it was the ones with uh, Andrew Garfield. That's it. Well, as you can tell. And I got another one over here. So. All right, gentlemen. So I'm going to keep that on air because you guys couldn't stop talking about Spider-Man. But enough time of Spider-Man talk. Time for Big Guy Talk with Fireside Bears. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome in. This isn't our traditional intro because it's blanket season. And Mr. Herf, once again, didn't get the memo or just completely forgot because he you doesn't have, have a hoodie on. I have my bear's blanket right here, so this works. So anyways, what's up? Welcome into Fireside Bears. This is Usain Koshal, Sam Stevenson, and Joseph Herfer. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Be sure you're following myself, Sam, and Joe on Twitter at Usain Koshal, at Chai Sports Sam, and at Joseph Herf NFL. Sam is wrapped up like he's a burrito. I'm sitting here in my bear's blanket. And then Joe, once again, is always late to the party. Literally was late today, too, by the way. But how are we doing, gentlemen? The bears are back by weeks over. Tevin Jenkins is back. We're going to get into a lot today between Tevin Jenkins, what the next eight games mean for the Bears. Players were watching during the second half of the season. Probably the biggest topic of all, what continues to happen to Matt Nagy if Justin Fields plays well? Can the Bears defense bounce back? And then we're going to get into a bit of Bears-Ravens, but how's it going, guys? It's, uh, it's going good. It was a, a kind of a relaxing weekend. I watched Red Zone for like four straight hours and just let my mind turn off, but... Uh, excited to be back and, you know, looking forward to Sunday's game. I think it's going to be a good game, um, even though I know at this point the season outlook is pretty, pretty grim. But uh, happy to talk Bears again, even though, again, you know, bye weeks can be boring. But uh, that doesn't stop our uh, Bears coverage. So, uh, Joe, how are you doing? I'm good, man. I had a very, very fun weekend. Um, I, uh, I went out with a bunch of my coworkers. Made a bunch of good friends with them, so that was a really good time on Friday night. Uh, Saturday was kind of my recovery day after uh, Friday night and just relaxed all day Saturday, basically. Um, Went over to a friend's house, hung out, and then Sunday, it was kind of nice to just focus on fantasy football and not have to dread um, and look forward, or not look forward, but uh, expect the depression of the Bears later that day. So it was kind of nice to uh, get a fantasy win in most of my leagues and... uh, not see a Bears loss, I guess. But uh, overall, solid weekend. Good start to the week. Um, but the Bears will ruin that very quickly. Yeah, my face I mean, sucks. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the Bears technically did lose on Sunday because the Packers got their 451st home win. Moving one all like moving ahead of the Bears by like one win all time. That's 451st home when I should clarify. So I tweeted it and Bears Twitter absolutely hates me for it. But you know, it's, was- it's just a, it's just another thing the Packers beat the Bears at. Let's just be honest. And that, go ahead, Sam. That was one of my stock downs was the Bears because the Packers somehow still beat them over the weekend. So you stole my thunder. Yikes. Yikes. It's okay. It's fine. It's a good point. Just bring it up earlier. But that was one of my stock downs. Uh, we'll discuss that when we get to your stock downs. But anyways, all right, guys, let's start with this because I tweeted this on Sunday night saying the Bears are back at Hallis Hall. I anticipate and I wonder if there's going to be updates about guys like Tevin Jenkins and Jermaine Ifedi, including Khalil Mack. Monday morning around 9, 930 
Matt Nagy's press conference comes out with the update that Tevin Jenkins is officially being activated off injured reserve. It's time to get serious here, guys, but let's go ahead and get into this joke. Go ahead. I mean, Tevin Jenkins is back. What does this mean for the Bears? But what needs to be done with the offensive line? Yeah, so um, I tweeted out something. Actually, I believe it was on Monday. Caught Some hate, a lot of agreements, some hate from people, but um, basically said that once Tevin Jenkins is completely healthy, the original tweet didn't say that, so that kind of triggered a lot of people. I don't want to throw Tevin Jenkins to the fire. That's the first first thing I want to get out there. But um, basically, once Tevin Jenkins is fully healthy, I personally believe he should be put at right tackle. Larry Borm should move to left tackle. I think Larry Borm is more suited in terms of his ability and his uh, his pass sets and his ability to uh, – and his drop sets, all that kind of stuff. I believe his ability is best suited for left tackle. I think Jenkins as a mauler is best suited for right tackle. And at that point, move Cody Whitehair slash James Daniels to center, whoever the Bears think would be better suited in the long term. I just think the Bears need to start establishing their long-term continuity on this offensive line. So get your tackles in there. Get them used to their quarterback. Get James Daniels, you're probably going to lock down this offseason. Only 24 years old. you got to keep him long-term. I believe he's 24. He's 23 or 24. He's still very young. So lock him down long-term. Keep him as either the center of the guard, but keep him in his position. He'll probably play. Cody Whitehair has the flexibility to play center or guard, so he also can do that too. And at that point, either Jason Peters or Jermaine Ifedi can be the left guard. Ifedi, I believe the Bears should keep long-term too. Um, in terms, not maybe not as a starter, Um in terms of a death piece, he's much like Alex Bars, where he can play virtually anywhere on the offensive line from both sides of guard to both sides of tackle and has shown the ability to do both at a decent level. So they have a lot of options here. Regardless, Tevin Jenkins needs to get playing time. He needs to get valuable playing time. He needs to see the field and he needs to gain the experience to be able to uh, develop. And I mean, we had Justin Fields developing at playing time early. We should also have Jenkins. Yeah, um, I don't have like a ton more to add on to what you said, Joe. I agree with a lot of your points. I, I don't really understand why that tweet got so much anger from Bears fans. Like ultimately, it you know I think there's a lot of fans who are you know pro uh, Jason Peters, but he's gonna be 40 soon and is not you know he's a fill-in spot because Jenkins got surgery. I'm hesitant on throwing Jenkins back in right away. I want to make sure that he is progressing in the right direction because back injuries are not a joke and can be kind of have a lot of long-term repercussions. And, and ultimately I still am hopeful that he can be the guy that the bears traded up in the second round for, for a reason, the guy who a lot of us had first round grades on that we were expecting the bears to take with the 20th overall pick until we traded up for obviously Justin Fields. Um, I, you know, I, I definitely don't disagree with the idea of moving someone else to guard and shifting the, per, you know, white, I would prefer white hair at center. I think he's a better fit in that position. I like James Daniels at guard. Um, and obviously trying to have both our rookies be tackles because ultimately you're trying to see, you know, can either of these guys be the long-term solutions at both of these positions when you have a rookie quarterback like Justin Fields developing who would could potentially be a franchise quarterback, um, you know, the bears do make changes. They have made changes in the past to the offensive line, uh, during the bye week I know you said has alluded to this before they did it last year when they shifted players around, um, and moved guys around They moved Ifedi. They brought in, you know, they allowed Moose fear to take the starting job. Um, my lights just flashed. Yikes. Um, that was scary. Uh, anyway, um, you know, I, I, I definitely think that is the short term, um, 
something that definitely needs to happen with the O-line. I think ultimately talking more about Tevin Jenkins, see how he is in practice. They just activated his window. I like that they're working him at both tackle spots. Um, I think if he's the better option at either tackle position for the Bears, play him. I just ultimately don't think rushing him back, especially with this season kind of basically being over. Um, you know, I'm sure the Bears can still make the playoffs, but I don't see it happening unless a miracle happens. Um, we can talk more about that later. I don't want to rush him back unless we feel like it's 100% ready to go. And and if he is ready, then to Joe's point, I definitely agree that, you know, getting as many reps this season, even if they're not meaningful, will have so many more and more long-term uh, effects for him and for the whole offense. Well, I think there's a lot to look at when you talk about Tevin Jenkins basically returning at this point in the season. I mean, you're talking about, let's start with the offensive line. Okay. You're talking about a front five. That's basically been a makeshift offensive line the entire season, pretty much since training camp even started. Cause again, people forget that Tevin Jenkins didn't even practice in training camp. And the whole point of him not practicing in camp was the bears were like, look, he's going to get better. He's going to get better. He's going to get better. And then all of a sudden Matt Nagy just randomly out of nowhere announces, Hey, look, Tevin Jenkins getting surgery as a last resort, which just signals to me that, look, the Bears pretty much mishandled Tevin Jenkins injury. And I said this back over the summer, too, in like July and August. But now when you look at it, Jason Peters, you guys are right. He doesn't have a future with the Bears. Okay, he's 39, 40 years old. His bus is probably already and ready to go for the class of 2025 or 2026 in Canton, Ohio. But the greater point here, I think, is that when we talk about who's playing on what side of the line. So Tevin's interesting because if you go back and look at his four years at Oklahoma State, he played every single position on the offensive line except center. Now, why am I bringing that up here? I'm bringing that up because when we look at Tevin Jenkins as a player, we have to look back at one of the moves the Bears made when they drafted Tevin Jenkins like two days after drafting Tevin Jenkins that Monday what had happened is the Bears went ahead and they released Charles Leno Jr. Now that's key right there because the Bears basically said hey we're moving on from Charles Leno Jr. That means we have Larry Borm and Tevin Jenkins on the roster and it's more than likely that Tevin Jenkins is going to end up being the left tackle of the future which is totally fine too but then there's also another part of this that I don't think we're talking about a lot of people see Tevin Jenkins as a traditional right tackle which again I'm not going to deny he is but the bigger portion here of this entire offensive line picture that you have to look at is that what if we were in a scenario right now where Larry Borms played really well at right tackle and the Bears are at a point where they realize, you know what, we don't want to break any of that chemistry and any of that continuity and that progression that Larry Borm has. So while it would be great to put Tevin Jenkins back at right tackle, something that's more of a natural habitat for him, more of his natural position, Larry Borm's playing so well, we're going to go ahead and we're going to keep Larry Borm on the right side of the offensive line, keep him at right tackle with Tevin Jenkins going to left tackle. I think that when we talk about what needs to be done with the O-line, there's also a couple other combinations. Maybe you're looking at Sam Mustafer needs to get out of there. He's a good run blocker, but he's not a good pass protector at all. And again, I've admitted this 500 times and here's 501. I was high on Sam Mustafer going into the season, but it's been very clear that he hasn't been able to get the job done. And so at some point you need to make a change. Now I think from left to right, you have two starting combinations for the offensive line that can exist. Tevin Jenkins at left tackle, James Daniels at left guard. Then you have um, a center. Okay. Probably going to be Cody white here, right guard. You could have, probably Larry Borm and then right tackle you're looking at probably someone like Jermaine Ifedi 
Or what you could do is this, is you keep Jason Peters at left tackle. You have left guard is James Daniels. Center's Cody White here. Right guard is Larry Borm. Right tackle is Tevin Jenkins. I think that the second one is obviously a bit more likely than what the first one is, but it all just wait and remains to be seen. I mean, the bears are returning from the bye. They're still getting their feet underneath them, but ultimately Tevin being back is good because it kind of gives you a glimpse into the future in terms of who's going to be a player to build around in the Justin Fields era and who's not going to be a player to build around. Yeah. I personally don't want to see Larry Borm at guard. Cause like kind of, you were saying, I want to establish continuity with him at tackle. I think it's a really, I think like he's shown so far, he's shown a very solid ability to play tackle in terms of pass blocking and run blocking. But I agree with 100% everything you say. We need to get Mustafer out of there. Uh, Mustafer's, even his run blocking, it's not, it's not bad. It's not good. It's just average at best. And then, his, like you're saying, his pass blocking is absolutely horrendous from his snapping is questionable, which should be one of his better abilities. Uh, the way he calls out plays and calls out uh, defensive line schemes and, uh, and packages and blitzes and stuff like that. He's not very good at recognizing those things. Don't think that anybody would be a downgrade necessarily on his roster at this point at center. I think anybody who steps in would be an automatic upgrade at center. And then you would have basically, if you're taking Buster out of there, you're upgrading with anybody. Like if you put bars in at guard, Cody Whitehair at center, that's an upgrade. Jermaine Effetti at guard, Whitehair at center, upgrade. Any literally, if you interchange anything from here on out, I believe it's an upgrade from Buster at this point. So I just think they got to do whatever they can to get A, Jenkins in there, and B, Musfer out of there. And I think, and outside of that, as a, sub, as a subsection to that, you need to have Jenkins at his position. You plan to have him at the future and Borm as well, along with James Daniels, because those three are kind of the building blocks of the future of the offensive line for years to come. Yeah, and I think you obviously think, like, the most optimistic mindset would be if Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borm could both be your starting tackles for the next X amount of years with Justin Fields. That's obviously the optimistic mindset. That's what you're hoping could potentially happen because having two rookies basically be able to step in and immediately start at key positions, especially left tackle, which I think arguably is the most important position on the offensive line, uh, maybe center over that. But, you know, and I think too, the Bears are in an, an area where they can upgrade the interior in the offseason if they need to. I personally think upgrading the interior is a little bit easier than getting better guys at the offensive tackle position. Because it's really, really hard to find a franchise left tackle. I mean, there's truly only a few teams that I would say have guys in at left tackle. I think the Niners have their guy. I think the Packers have their guy. You know, I'm not going to list every single franchise, but very, very few teams do. And I think that, you know, ultimately, I think we're all hitting the head, you know, nail in the coffin here. Most of us got to get out of there. It's just not working. It was an experiment. It was something I wrote about that was a guy that could potentially lose his starting job definitely wasn't addressed clearly enough. I don't really think they've really brought in anyone to compete against him. Um, other than that, though, I mean, the Bears have pieces that they can work with on this offensive line. I think they have more pieces this year than they did last year. Um, I agree with the continuity points because, again, these are rookies that you're hoping are going to be long-term pieces, especially with how many free agents the Bears have next year. If you have two rookie tackles or two rookie just offensive linemen who can immediately play next year as starters or key rotational players, then the Bears don't have to worry as much about addressing other offensive line needs, especially with guys like Jermaine Ifedi and James Daniels being free agents next year and having to make decisions with other guys pending as free agents like Roquan Smith, like Bilal Nichols. So again, I would rather see them both play tackle, but 
you know, I think we'll see what happens. I know that guys can shift around on the offensive line. The bears are, are very, very well known for doing that. And whatever helps fields be as successful as possible is ultimately what matters the most. Yeah. I mean, look, look, when you're looking at the bears, you know, you mentioned the next couple of years, you mentioned that two young rookies on a, or two young offensive tackles on rookie contracts. I think that really begins the question of the bears are sitting here at three and six. They're not necessarily out of the playoff race, but nine weeks into the season, they're on the outside looking in. It's such a clouded picture this year for both the NFC and AFC because it was just crazy because a couple of weeks ago we thought, okay, the Bills were the class of the AFC, and then all of a sudden the Titans have emerged, and the Chiefs are kind of there, but they're not really there because they're not as dominant as they used to be. And then in the NFC, you would think that last night looking at the two records, the Rams would have blown out the 49ers. Instead, it's the other way around. What you have essentially is the... 49ers is a team that's always going to be a tough opponent. And then you've got teams like the Packers and the Rams and the Bucks that and the Cardinals. Everyone thought those were going to be your surefire Super Bowl contenders that have lost here and there a couple weeks in a row. So it's I think it brings up the question of what are the next eight games mean for the Bears show? Because ultimately we're at the halfway point in the season right now. And ultimately the Bears have eight weeks left to kind of get this thing figured out and continue to live in the moment in 2021, but then also look ahead to 2022. Yeah. The last eight games basically mean everything for the future. And it's a, it doesn't seem like that in any way, but these next eight games will determine many things. They'll determine what we have in our quarterback, what we have in our young offensive linemen, what we have in our young players on defense and what we have in our coach, which we're really not talking about much. Like just like we're not talking about it, but Matt and Egg could be fired mid season. Like they're on a four game losing streak. They went on a five game last season. If they can't rebound here after a bye week and they keep losing games on the stretch, we could see Matt Nagy getting fired and that could change the entire outlook for 2022. So these next eight games kind of, I mean, they don't mean everything, obviously. Like it's not like, oh, one thing goes wrong, our entire future is messed up. No, I'm, we just, all it's about is developing Justin Fields, developing the offensive linemen. And hoping that the Bears are honestly bad enough to get Nagy fired. Because if they are good enough to keep him around long enough, it's just going to keep ruining this team and the young players on this team like Fields and the tackles. Uh, Yeah, I mean, who will be here in 2022 and beyond? Um, What guys are on the bubble for the roster next year? How will this 2021 draft class continue to develop? I think the Bears have a lot of really nice pieces and some players with some potential as well. This is a pretty big draft class for the Bears, obviously outside of fields. You have key pieces on both offense, defense, and special teams that could be contributors to this roster for some time. And ultimately, I think you have to ask the question, is this a Bears team that can still somehow make the playoffs? I mean, Darnell Mooney said today that 11-6 and six, uh, seems realistic, which obviously I know is very optimistic thinking, but you look at the Bears' schedule, and we'll talk about it more later in the in the podcast, but like, the Bears have been known to go on winning streaks and sneak into the playoffs. They did it last year. And ultimately, they were kind of close to doing it in 2020. They were maybe a game or two away. I mean, as bad as this season has been, as poor as the coaching has been, as many holes as this roster has, this is a Bears team that still has talent in an NFC picture in terms of playoffs that is still kind of open. I mean, most of the what we considered NFC contenders lost this past weekend to teams that were not contenders. 
you had the Buccaneers lose to the Washington football team. You had the 49ers kick around the Rams on Monday night football. I mean, the only NFC team that I feel like is a legitimate playoff contender right now is the Packers, which makes me want to throw up in my mouth, but they seem like the most complete team right now. So I, I think if the bears think they're still a playoff team, these eight games are going to determine whether or not they can sneak in or not. As a bears fan myself, I obviously, you know, get excited if my team makes the playoffs, but as someone who knows that this season does not matter right now because you have a rookie quarterback who is starting to really take some big steps forward. Playoffs don't mean anything to me. And and to Joe's point, we have a head coach that not a lot of people have faith in with good reasoning to not have faith in. And if the bears somehow sneak into the playoffs again, does this mean that Matt Nagy sticks around? And, And that's ultimately what these eight games mean for the bears. Will there be changes after this season or are the bears just good enough that they're going to try to do this again in 2022? So it's two sides of the card there. It's two sides of the coin and, you know, we'll see what happens. And that all starts on Sunday against the Ravens. Just wanted to well, paint a picture quickly. I, I wanted to get your guys' opinion on this. It kind of came to me when Sam was talking about it, but uh, what if the bears at some point say, say the bears lose this week to the Rams, to the Ravens, say they get blown out. Like it's embarrassing. And the bears fire Matt Nagy that drops us to three and seven. And what if we see the Bears interim head coach, whoever it is, take the Bears to the playoffs. What what would your guys' thinking be? Would you want to keep that? Like, say Justin Fields like takes an enormous step forward under say say as an example, we pro Bill Lazor he becomes interim head coach, even though we had the, the um, special teams coach uh, promote or move up when now he was out. Say say it's say it's Bill Lazor, and say John D. Filippo moves into the offensive coordinator role, and they both run the offense together, basically alone. And let's say that happens and the offense just explodes and they start running fields offense to his ability. Defense takes a step forward because they're getting motivated. Sean decides taking steps forward. Again, this is all not likely at all, but say this happens. Do you keep that same staff in house or do you still look for a new head coach? I just want to hear what you guys think. You said, I'll let you go first. Well, there's a lot to look at. I mean, you're looking at, does the Bears offensive explosion come on the heels of a defense that has regressed over the last two games, even without Khalil Mack? I think that when you look at this, you look at Bill Lazor as well as John Filippo. I mean, there's going to be a lot that goes into it because who's going to be the real architect? I mean, and you bring up Matt Nagy's Matt Nagy having COVID as a good point because the Bears were in that 49ers game for the most part when Chris Tabor was coaching. And I will say this much. I think that when we look at the Bears in terms of who interim head coach is going to be, it's probably once again going to be Chris Tabor. Teams around the league just tend to do that where they will appoint a special teams coach because special teams coaches know offense and defense as a means of kind of going ahead and having an interim head coach. But ultimately, the Bears case is so interesting because there are guys on the staff like John Filippo who have had head coaching in interviews over the last couple of years. I mean, I think John D. Filippo had one with the Bears in 2018, but obviously he was like one or two years away from actually assuming a head coaching role. And I think John D. Filippo is a player, the type of positional coach that's just going to remain a positional coach his entire career in the NFL. We've seen there's been times where, yeah, he's had the opportunity to call plays. Has it really been the most successful at it? I will say this, though. It's not like the situation around DeFilippo has been great either in some of his previous stops. So ultimately, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily want to roll with the current staff because you're looking at something right here. Okay. Have 
let's look at it this way. DiFilippo and Bill Lazor have never really had to build an offense from the ground up. And I truly believe this, that if both of these guys were true quality head coaching candidates, they were on the staff last year in the middle of a 16 game losing streak. So why would the Bears not go into 2021 and just promote either of them? I also look at both of their personalities and realize, okay, Lazor and DiFilippo just seemingly don't have what it takes to be really good head coaches in the NFL. I think that the personality factor is a big part because in this league, you need to be the type of head coach that's going to appeal to grown adults and grown men and laser D Filippo, as long as they've been in the coaching ranks, they certainly don't have that. And I think final point I'll make here before I let Sam go, one of the important things to consider about John D Filippo, especially is that he's worked with good quarterbacks in the past, right? So his rookie season, he was Derek Carr's quarterbacks coach or Derek Carr's rookie season was John D Filippo's kind of year to be the Raiders quarterback coach. And so ultimately when you look at some of these connections, you realize that all right, these guys, some of these guys are just better off as position coaches and coordinators than they are as head coaches. I definitely agree with those points. I think that obviously there are moments when interim head coaches, players rally around them. I think of the Lions when they beat us last year and their interim head coach, it was their first win. Um, and it was ultimately an upset. The Bears were the better team that day. And I definitely think that it's it's one of those situations where I could see the Bears doing it and missing out on good head coaching candidates um, just because they think that it's an easier solution. They, you know, oh, we like the guys that we have internally when you have good head coaching candidates available this year who could absolutely get the most out of guys like Justin Fields. I definitely wouldn't put it past the Bears, though. And again, I think ultimately, like, let's say Nagy is fired next Monday. Let's say that's officially announced. The Bears somehow are still able to win. They go, what is it? You can go 10 and let's say they go 10 and seven, nine and eight, somehow sneak into the playoffs. You know, I definitely think as a conversation people have, I think ultimately it will depend on who would take over as the interim head coach. I, I do believe it would be uh, Chris Taylor, but who knows? Um, and, again, it, it's so tough too because. There are guys who, you know, are more, I mean, you said that perfectly. There are guys who are just designed to be coordinators or other positional groups in terms of coaching. Um, but it's hard to not make the argument for it, like, especially if the Bears go on a win streak. And that's definitely possible even with Nagy. So I wouldn't put it past the Bears. That's what I would say. I don't think it would happen, but I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, I just don't even think it's even possible to go on that one streak again. I just wanted to paint a picture and wanted to see it. I, I honestly think they should try. If Fields continues to take the steps he's taking now, I honestly think they should try and keep Don Philippe, uh, John Filippo in-house just because you don't want to keep changing coaches. Like If you turn over the entire offensive staff, that's just going to hurt. Like I understand if you want to change the offensive line coach out. I don't support it. I think John or Juan, Juan Castillo, I believe he's a great offensive line coach. I'd be great to keep him in. John Filippo, great quarterback coach as well. If you keep both those guys in house, the rest I could, I could care less about Had nothing against them. Just would like to prefer that we get our young guys that need developing to keep their coaches consistently. And it's working. Like we're seeing Larry and Borum look good so far. So why change his coach out? And we're seeing Justin Fields take major steps. So why take his quarterbacks coach out? And I think he's done a really good job with Fields this year. I mean, I tweeted about it um, last week. I think it was um, Fields has made significant improvements. And I think we have to tip our cap to John Fulvio. Like, 
I'm not going to be able to pronounce his name right. So just get over Di it. Filippo. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Filippo Bappo. Um, whatever. <laughs> the guy who coaches Fields. Um, I mean, Fields is getting that ball out quicker. He's getting more on a line. He's not holding on to it as long. Uh, he, I have seen rookie quarterback mistakes that Fields has made earlier in the year that he's not really making as much this year. Is he all of a sudden uh, best quarterback in the league? No, but he's getting better. And I think that I agree with that point. We talked about continuity earlier with the offensive line. I think the same thing needs to be said about some of the coaching staff with the Bears. I don't think you disrupt it with the offensive line. I don't think you disrupt it with Justin Fields. Um, you know, I, I think it's an interesting concept to talk about interim head coaching and success with that because is that poised for long-term success? If hypothetically you keep an interim head coach, you overhaul the entire roster. Does that does that success continue into 2022, or is it simply just because the you know the guys rallied around one guy? You know, the Bears' schedule. There are definitely a lot of games that are going to be easier than I think I thought they were going to be, but there's definitely still a couple of hard opponents coming up. So, you know, I think I definitely agree with the point, though, of I don't want there to be inconsistency because I think there was a little bit with Mitch, and I don't want the same thing to happen with uh, with Fields. Also, congrats to Mitch, by the way. He's expecting a baby. Yeah, thought. sometime in 2022, Mini Trubisky is going to be coming. Hopefully, this kid is not as big of a bust as his dad was or goes <laughs> on to like succeed somewhere. Uh, Sam quit it because I wasn't making a funny joke there. You know, thumbs down for Mr. Hershey. so here. funny. <laughs> All right. But anyways, getting back on track here with the important big guy serious talk, ultimately wrapping up this thing here. I mean, the next eight games are basically all about your roster evaluation. You're trying to see who sticks, who doesn't stick. I think when you look at the defensive side of the ball, you're basically looking at what's wrong with this defense that we need to go ahead and fix in 2020-22. But listen, Speaking of 2022, right, but there's also the second half of the season. Before we get into 2022, I mean, Sam, I'm going to go to you on this one. Give me one Bears player you're watching for the second half of the season and why. I mean, we talked about him a little bit at the beginning of the podcast. Definitely going to keep my eyes on Larry Borum. Uh, how does he continue to develop as a starter on this offensive line? I think he's looked really good um, in terms of the Bears passing situations. I think there's room for improvement in his run blocking. Um, but I want to see how he progresses. Can he be a legitimate piece to this offensive line? I mean, we've kind of talked, uh, you know, talked about him kind of a lot on this podcast. So I'm not going to keep adding on to points we've already discussed, but definitely something I'm going to keep watching, especially, you know, as I watch the offense, I'll keep an eye on how he does because, you know, I hope the offense can stay in the field a little bit longer and not crush us and not put any points up, but I'm not going to get my hopes up in that regard. But uh, definitely Larry Borum. That's someone I'm definitely going to be keeping my eyes on. The easiest answer to this question is Justin Fields because everybody is looking to him to see how he can do the second half of the season. Uh, but I will pick an, uh, a less obvious one. I'm going to go with Cole Komet coming off of a great game that he had before the bye week. Want to see how he progresses from then on. I know the Ravens have been shaky against tight ends. So this could be a big chance for him to continue it and keep, uh, keep the momentum going and the continuity with Fields and his uh, chemistry that he's already developing. Uh, he looked He looked awesome. It just to say the least, he looked awesome in our in our game against the Steelers in terms of getting open, running routes. Hit that beautiful, I believe it was technically considered a post route because he ran it from the right side of the field to the left side of the field. But beautiful route, great catch on the sideline. I overall, I'm very, very, very excited to continue see how he continues developing and proving everybody wrong that absolutely hates him for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, listen, those are some two really good ones that 
Cole Komet, I think we need to take a moment to sit back and discuss before I go ahead and give my player that I'm going to watch for the rest of the season because Cole Komet, if you look at it, he kind of started off slow, and then all of a sudden over the last couple of weeks, there's been two things that's been noticeable. Number one, he's gotten more involved in the passing game. You saw that in the game against Pittsburgh where Justin Fields was hitting him down the seam a couple times for those big throws. I think there was like a 25-yard completion on one drive in the fourth quarter. And then the second aspect to keep in mind when it comes to Justin Fields and Cole Komet is that their chemistry has grown together so well to the point where this is exactly what this Matt Nagy offense needed, where for the first three seasons, it was basically a lackluster tight end group. There really wasn't much there. And then all of a sudden now in 2021, Cole Komet continues to develop and he bursts onto the scene. And this may be a bit of a stretch as a comparison, but what you're seeing is Cole Komet and Justin Fields are developing this relationship. That's kind of similar to what's, needed in this Andy Reid offense. So it's kind of similar to what Patrick Mahomes has with Travis Kelsey. If you want to really wind the clock back, this commit Justin Fields relationship that's continuing to develop kind of similar to what we're seeing or what we saw so many years ago in Philadelphia with Donovan McNabb, as well as Brent Selleck. And so those are that I think there is a connection that's going to continue to move forward here and really begin to develop itself as a key piece and a key foundational pillar of the Bears offense. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, to kind of keep it short here, your tight end should be your safety blanket. It should be someone that you can rely on, someone that you know can get you key yardage. You know, obviously, tight ends can be deep threats, but ultimately, they can also be used to kind of break up areas in the zone that the defense let up. I think Cole Komet was awesome in the last game the Bears played. Uh, I think he was huge in that Steelers game. I'm excited to see him play against the Ravens um, just because, again, He's a guy I've been critical of, and I definitely have eaten my words a little bit. I think he looked really, really good, and I think that the signs are there that he can be a legitimate tight end for the Bears. Um, I'm not going to say he's a superstar, but, you know, ceiling's definitely there in the, you know, reach for the stars, I guess, but um, or shoot for the stars, whatever it is. But, yeah, he's definitely someone worth watching as well and obviously a little bit more entertaining to watch potentially because he'll be catching passes, hopefully, from Justin Fields, and I won't just be watching a tackle block the entire game yeah i'm glad you actually brought up the safety blanket because i was going to touch on that but like you're saying perfect example safety blanket is when he goes to chip nobody's open downfield easy check down to him because that's normally what he does he normally releases to an easy check down and in that case he's an absolute animal with the ball in his hands he's impossible to take down he runs through people he might not have the quote-unquote agility to do yards after catch but he has the physicality and that's very important for a team that sort of lacked of these past few seasons from every position group in terms of wide receivers, tight ends, offensive linemen, and not really running backs for Dave Montgomery, but some other running backs outside of Dave Montgomery, we really had no real physical presence. Like Jimmy Graham, not really a big physical guy who was being fed the ball. I mean, Trey Burton from 2018, not really. Adam Shaheen was always hurt. The offensive line in general, nobody really physical. Charles Leno was soft. Bobby Massey wasn't that strong or anything. So you can tell the bears are starting to move towards that way of physicality. Khalil Herbert's a, is mean. He's an animal. David Montgomery, usual Cole Komet mean. I, I'm liking the way that we're changing up the seam. And I think Cole Komet's going to be a big part of that. Sorry. I'm like texting five bajillion people here at uh, so once. Popular. So cool. 
Yes, I know I'm very popular. Holly Jill here. Yo, fun facts of the high school I work at. The kids found my Instagram, nice. my Bears Instagram, obviously, because I don't have like any personal social media. They just all my social media is for the Bears stuff that I do. And these kids started following me. And sometimes the ones that don't even follow me are viewing my stories, which I find to be so incredibly funny that they don't have anything better to do. Or some of them just want to know what's going on outside my life or outside of school that they need see the need to check out my instagram stories anyways so yeah so for my because we're all over the place tonight and this is exactly how most of these things go and i'm just gonna go ahead and blame her because he really hasn't been true to the jesper horsestead fan club because he really hasn't been true over the last couple of weeks sam's totally fine on the other hand i mean but anyway so for my one bears play that i'm watching during the second half of the season this one's a complete toss-up for me because i want to say jalen johnson but we all see how well he's progressed over the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to stick with the offensive side of the ball. And I am going to go ahead and say Khalil Herbert. And I, Khalil Herbert, when you look at all the Bears rookies that were drafted this year, I mean, he was the one guy that's been an instant impact player. Okay. He, I tweeted this and I said this last week, Herbert feels as well as Larry Bourne, they've been instant impact players, but I zero in on Khalil Herbert specifically because David Montgomery is getting older. The first two years of David Montgomery's career, I only get, I get he's only in year three, but he's taken a lot of wear and tear the first two years of his career because of a porous offensive line. Theoretically, David Montgomery is a guy that could have 2,000 yards from scrimmage, but the presence of Khalil Herbert just turns the Bears running back room into a two-headed monster. And I know that the last time we had David Montgomery, Mike Davis, and Tariq Cohen on the roster in 2019 it was run dmc everyone was kind of talking about how okay look this entire this running back trio could be a three-headed monster well i think the bears have figured out that sometimes you only need two good running backs and kind of having khalil herbert and david montgomery who have similar but also different play styles because with khalil herbert you have a lot more burst you're you're seeing a player that's such a hard runner he's a guy that's developing himself into a core part of the bears offense and it's so important moving forward because one we don't know if david montgomery is going to be here past 2022 right or 2022 but also number two the key thing to keep in mind is that if the bears can figure out how to use both of these guys on the field at the same time you're effectively telling a defense along with justin fields mobility hey we have three really good runners three really good uh players with mobility and we're gonna make you account for every single one of them which is then gonna force defenses to go ahead and have to stack the box which is then just gonna lead to darnell mooney being free for shots over the middle of the field yeah, I think the ultimate problem with Herbert's potential progressions through the rest of the year is how many reps is he going to get? How, how many series on offense is he going to get? Because ultimately, Montgomery is kind of a workhorse, and he's a good workhorse. I mean, Montgomery's a good running back. I'm not trying to, to disavow that. I think it's just really, really hard when you have two good running backs and you're trying to find a way to utilize both. I think when, you know, the, when Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are both healthy in Cleveland, I think the Browns utilize both of them really, really well. Um, I think the Colts use Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines really, really well. I think it's just going to be really, really interesting to see if the Bears can get him more involved because I alluded to this, but I don't want them to shut him down to the point where he's a complete non-factor and barely gets any runs. And I think he's got a lot of potential. I don't want to take it away from Montgomery. And that's ultimately a difficult task at hand to try to figure out how to use both these guys. But I think that's the biggest thing. Can the Bears use him more? Can the Bears find a way to get him on the field? Because I think he can be a legitimate weapon in this offense. 
Yeah, I agree. I like the Browns example you brought up of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I think that David Montgomery is better suited for the Kareem Hunt expanded role. So Kareem Hunt's more of just like kind of the pass catching a few runs a game. I think David Montgomery should still get like nearly almost equal the amount of runs that Khalil Herbert gets. Um, He should basically just have the snap count that Nick Chubb gets, but the passing game of what Kareem Hunt will get in terms of volume with Khalil Herbert just being mixed in. And like, like I said in last week's podcast, I think Khalil Herbert's better at the line of scrimmage. I think he fits that Nick Chubb um, short yardage uh, back better than David Montgomery does. Again, Montgomery can easily push a pile, but I don't think he gets through the pile very well. I think he gets stuffed way too more often than, uh, say Khalil Herbert does, but regardless, I I love what we have here. I love what we have going. Once Tariq Cohen comes back, it's going to be arguably one of the top backfields in the NFL, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think having that really solid running game is just going to be so important because we've seen the Bears kind of get away from, well, I don't want to say fully get away from kind of what was that run first identity early in the offseason or I'm sorry, early in the season. But what we're seeing more and more is kind of the Bears are opening it up, but then as the calendar turns to November and December, what happens is this is this power running game is really what's going to make all the difference for these teams that come into Soldier Field all because of this Chicago weather. So let's switch gears here, guys, and talk about this because this is such an underrated question. I think not enough people are having this discussion. We discussed it with my our other co-host, Max Smith, on YouTube last night. It was just me and Max. That's up on YouTube, guys. Go to the Fireside Bears YouTube channel. Check it out. But Joe and Sam, I need to get your opinion on this because it's a foregone conclusion for a lot of people at this point that, hey, we're just counting down the days. We're counting down the games until Matt Nagy's fired. But this is Bears ownership. You never know what's going to happen. I know there's been some rumblings out there, and I've received rumblings too about the possibility of Matt Nagy being fired if the Bears stink it up and lose to the Ravens. Sam, I'm going to go to you on this one. Let's just say the Bears survive Ravens week, and Matt Nagy survives Ravens week pending a total breakdown. What happens if Matt Nagy is back in 2022 as a result of Justin Fields continuing to play well. Are you bringing Matt Nagy back in 2022? Are you still moving on if Fields continues to play well? So what happens to Nagy, man? I think Nagy should be fired, and I think this is the reason why. When you brought Matt Nagy in in 2018, the expectation was that he was going to find a way to build a Andy Reid kind of offense. He is this offensive guru. He was going to develop Mitch into this quarterback of the future and prove that he was supposed to be the first quarterback taken in that draft class in 2017. And you've gotten one 12 and four season, two playoff appearances, and uh, you're currently three and six with the eighth most expensive defense in the league and question marks all over your roster. And one of the worst offenses in the entire NFL, despite having one of the top rushing attacks in the league. Um, The reason why I think you bring a new coach in in 2022 is because that coach's expectations in 2022 is to figure out what he has in fields to start building this roster for potentially what could be a bare Super Bowl window once again, if everything goes well and if Justin Fields takes a big leap in his sophomore year. Ultimately, I think if you bring Nagy back, I'm not saying the Bears wouldn't do the same thing, but how many how many chances are you going to give the guy? I mean, the Bears offense was better with John Fox. And John Fox was not a very good head coach either. 
And I think when we're talking about Bears head coaches in the past, Lovey Smith went 10 and six and got fired. Now, these are different times. This is different situations. I don't want to compare guys necessarily, but I, I am of the opinion he needs to be fired. And I think the best case scenario is the Bears keep losing, but Justin Fields keeps getting better because that shows that there's potential and that he can help get us over this hump of Bears quarterbacks who have not been able to stay longer than a few years. And we may finally have a franchise quarterback, but at this point, and, and I'll talk about kind of the bounce back during the second half of the season later on this podcast, we obviously all will, but the Bears road to the playoffs is not very likely, if at all possible. And do you keep a head coach whose roster has continued to decline, whose production has continued to decline, whose promises he hasn't been able to keep, and who ultimately might go 6-11, and 7-10 this year? That's not a good season, even if Fields is getting better. I mean, you look at what the Chargers did last year. They managed to continue to develop Justin Herbert. I know the Chargers are struggling right now. This might be, not be a great example. You know, they went seven and nine. They fired their head coach. They brought in Brandon Staley and it seemed like things were going to work. I think they're struggling a little bit right now. I think they're in a, a loot kind of a lull right now, but I think the bears need to do the same thing. I, I think even if fields continues to play well, even if the bears are winning games, how many chances are you giving Nagy now? Let's say the Bears make it to the playoffs and maybe actually win a playoff game or keep it close. Maybe you have that conversation, but ultimately, we how many chances is the guy going to get? I mean, the same thing I think could be said for Ryan Pace, but I think, again, that's a different question for a different time. But ultimately, the fan in me wants him gone. I think a lot of people would agree with that. What will happen to him? I think I'm just going to say, I don't know. We'll see what happens. And it starts with Sunday and it starts with the performance against the Ravens. I want him gone. I want change to be made. I know that's wishful thinking, but who knows? Because I'm hoping Fields continues to play well. I don't want Nagy gone because Fields continues to struggle and the Bears lose games. I'd like to see Fields continue to play like he did last week, but the Bears either are closing games or lose. I'm with you 100%. And I think a big part of that, like you were saying, the Chargers is a perfect example. They were in every single game basically they lost last season. I'm pretty sure they led the NFL in one-score games, whether it was a win or a loss. And it was because of coaching. Justin Herbert took strides throughout the season. He got better as the year went on. He looked unbelievable as a rookie. Looked very good. I hope the same thing happens to Matt Nagy. I don't care if the Bears went out with Matt Nagy. I want him gone. I think if they went out, the only way they can win out is if Sean Desai's defense steps up, which Matt Nagy has no part of, and if Justin Fields' ability ascends Matt Nagy's inability to coach an offense. That is the only way that this team has of even winning out, even making the playoffs. That is the only way. And we saw it. We saw it on Monday night. Or Yeah, we saw it last week against the Steelers. Justin Fields ascended the inability of Matt Nagy. He looked awesome. He made amazing throws. He took his time in the pocket. He progressed. And Maggie has no credit to that. The credit goes to John D. Filippo. He's the one who works with Justin Fields every day. Matt Nagy is the head coach who's in charge of a team, not one player, not one position group. He needs to go. End of story. Yeah, look, it's... And again, I said this, and I'm going to say it again. It's a complicated situation, right? It's a complicated situation because... 50% of this is like you should fire Matt Nagy after two lackluster eight and eight seasons. And then obviously 
just just such an up and down start to the 2021 season to the point where you're like, okay, well, this guy really is out of chances. And this isn't even going into his history. This is more so about what's happening in 2021 more than whatever happened with Andy Dalton and Nick Foles, as well as Mitch Trubisky. What I think is going to be a determining factor here is this is that Justin Fields is playing so well. He's playing at such a high level. I think that Justin Fields is basically the guy who holds the key to Matt Nagy's job secured. I know everyone's going to tell you about, let me go ahead and expand. You have eight games left in the season. What the Bears are at right now is this, is they're seeing some really good quarterback play. And so ultimately what they're looking at is the fact that there's a chance, I think, the McCaskies say, hey, you know what? Justin Fields has been playing really well. We may have missed the playoffs, but we didn't really expect to make the playoffs in 2021 anyway because of a rookie quarterback. Let's go ahead and let's bring Matt Nagy back. Why? Because he's got this so-called plan. And that's a route that I think not a lot of people are talking about. As I see Sam kind of yawning here, he thinks that my take is absolutely ridiculous, even though he knows that it's absolutely 110% true. So he's going to provide more insight as to why he thinks my take is ridiculous and why he totally disagrees. But Matt Nagy going ahead and coming back could also be the, on the heels of Justin Fields playing really well. And we have to look at that aspect. We have to look at that possibility because when it comes to the Bears and I think anything goes right now when it comes to the Bears, that's ultimately where we're at when it comes to this team. You know, you know, rebuttal, Sam. I know you said cap in the chat, so I was going to kind of let you rebuttal. I was playing around with backgrounds on Zoom, to be completely honest. Uh, no, I don't really have a rebuttal because I definitely don't disagree with that. It's What's so frustrating about all of this is that you think back to that 2018 season, you think back to the success the Bears had, and the steady decline, and, and ultimately, I look at the teams that are successful right now in the NFL, the – Tennessee Titans have 20 players on the injured reserve and are the number one team in the AFC and arguably one of the best teams in the AFC this year. They lost arguably the best running back in the league and are making things work with Adrian Peterson and a bunch of running backs that I've never heard of before. I look at the Ravens again. I know we're talking, I'm talking AFC teams here, but the Ravens started the year with a bunch of injuries, gaps in their, their roster questions with, with Lamar Jackson. Yes, they had a bad loss to the Dolphins, but they're still winning games. I look at the other side of things, you know, there are teams that coaches have taken rosters that aren't that good and have remained competitive and even won games. Hell, I'd even say that the Lions are still playing competitive. I mean, I know obviously Ben Roethlisberger didn't play last weekend, but the Lions were in a position to win that game. And the Steelers on paper were the better team in every single regard, even arguably a quarterback. Um, I just don't know how many more excuses you can make for Matt Nagy. And I'm legitimately concerned if you bring him back in 2022, because what is the plan then? Do you think you'll be good enough in 2022 to win a Super Bowl? I don't think so. I don't think the bears are going to be good enough next year to even make the playoffs. Do I think there is a plan to be back in that situation in 2023? Absolutely. So this question becomes very, very annoying because if you look at Matt Nagy's resume, Three seasons above 500 are technically two playoff appearances, coach of the year. <sighs> On paper, he's not a bad head coach, but I just don't know how you can defend the guy at this point. I just don't know. He frustrates me. He annoys me. 
I'm sure he's a great guy. It's the same thing I said about Mitch last year. I'm, Mitch is a great guy, but neither of them have been good fits. And I, I just don't know how you can defend him at this point in any regard. I'm sorry. I just don't know how you can. All right, so we haven't had a Bears injury report in probably like a week and a half or two weeks at this point. So there's no updates on the statuses of Khalil Mack, Eddie Jackson, as well as Akeem Hicks, who are seemingly all dealing with lingering injuries. But the bye week also provides some time for coaches, coordinators, players to go ahead and self-reflect on what went right and what went wrong. So, Joe, I'm going to go to you on this one. After two kind of lackluster performances, can the Bears defense bounce back during the second half of the season? Without Eddie Jackson and Klomak, no, they can't. Those two are just such a big impact to the defense. Regardless, again, I'm I've hated on Eddie Jackson multiple times on this podcast, but teams respect him. He is his coverage ability does scare defenses greatly. His tackling, he fills gaps well. He's not amazing at tackling, but he forces run he forces running backs people with the ball in their hands to go in towards the defense very well. So he does a he does his job. Like he's very good at his job. He gets a lot of hate because he can't tackle and because his cover sets aren't technically spectacular, but teams still fear him. And Khalil Mack, he brings the pressure. Like He has the sacks to back it up. So until those two come back, no. If they come back relatively soon after his bye week, like you said, we haven't seen this injury part yet, so it's kind of hard to say. If we get Khalil Mack back and Eddie Jackson back this week, this is a winnable game. The defense can bounce back. They can hold the Ravens. If the Dolphins can do what they did to the Ravens, so can we. I think they could easily do it if both those guys are back. If everybody's healthy, it's a lot to ask for. But again, we won't know until this week until we see the injury report. Yeah, and I think ultimately there are teams that are coming up in this schedule of games where if the Bears get some players back, they can be very, very successful. You have to play Detroit again. You have a chance to play New York. You play Minnesota twice, even though Minnesota's offense isn't looking too bad. I actually think they'll give us some fits. And I'll be completely honest, I think Seattle's starting to crumble a little bit. And if the Bears' defense is healthy and 100%, those are winnable games. Now, I'm not going to get my hopes up because, again, you have to play Green Bay again. You have to play the Cardinals again, who will probably have Kyler Murray. And you have to play Baltimore this week. Now, I know the Dolphins, again, were successful against the Ravens, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the Ravens won't make adjustments. I think the Ravens are a good football team. I think they got some weapons on offense and obviously Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson. I think he's a very, very good young quarterback. And I think his ability to run and I think his passing has improved significantly since he's entered the league. I think he's going to present a problem with the Bears defense, even if they are hundred percent healthy. Ultimately, again, even if I think we get Klumak, Eddie Jackson back, I think, um, even like some other like key rotational guys, like I think Dion Bush is returning to practice again, which is a good thing, obviously for the Bears. Um, and again, getting Akeem Hicks 100% healthy. I know he's been dealing with some lingering injuries. Even if the Bears have as many of their pieces back as possible, I'm not going to get my hopes up. I'm, you know, we'll see how Sunday goes because obviously if the Bears are successful against the Ravens, then maybe this is a different conversation we have. And again, we're playing against some poor offenses. I think that Detroit and New York are both bad teams. I think they're worse than us. Um, I think that Minnesota and Seattle are teams that the Bears can be competitive with if their defense plays well. But can this defense stop Arizona? Can this defense stop Green Bay again? Can at all? Can they stop Aaron Rodgers, who looks unbelievable, and that Packers offense is just continuing to find ways to win games? A.J. Dillon looks very, very good. Their weapons are playing well. Obviously, they know what they have in Devontae Adams. And Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. As he said, he owns the Bears. So 
Can't get my hopes up, but let's take it a week at a time. If the Bears are successful against the Ravens, I think we can come back to this topic and say maybe. Yeah, look, I'm on. I agree with both of you guys because let's just be real. The last two games have kind of shown us how important Eddie Jackson is to stopping the opposing offense's deep ball, okay? And just being kind of a force in coverage in order to slow opposing offenses down. I understand that with when it comes to Khalil Mack, like this defense was already, this defense had already taken a step back without Khalil Mack. But then with Eddie Jackson out, it just amplifies the holes that were visible in our secondary. I think that. The easiest way for me to put it is this is Eddie Jackson is to the Bears defense what a franchise quarterback is to an offense in the sense that some franchise quarterbacks, they're on teams like Drew Brees, for example, in 2014 to like 2017. He was on a Saints team that didn't have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball, and they were still able to put up 40 points a game. Why? Because there was a Hall of Famer under center that was carrying them in every single game. Same thing with Aaron Rodgers throughout the later parts of the Mike McCarthy era in Green Bay. Not all the talent, but that franchise quarterback covered up for so many deficiencies on the roster. And so Eddie Jackson kind of is in that position for the Bears in the sense that there's not a lot of talent in the secondary, but he covers a lot of those holes up. Ultimately, Eddie Jackson and Khalil Mack are needed to help this Bears defense bounce back because let's just be real, okay? Robert Quinn had kind of a bit of a resurgence in that game against Pittsburgh, but against the 49ers, the guy looked totally helpless, okay? There was nothing that he could do or the pass rush could do to generate consistent pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo. And so what you're basically looking at is a defense that needs its top two faces right now. It's just how it is, but Eddie Jackson and Khalil Mack are the Bears' two best defensive players right now. It, to be fair, in Robert Quinn's defense first, he was going against the best left tackle in football. I, again, hard to generate pressure against him. Um, you Again, you expect a top-tier outside linebacker to be able to at least generate pressure. But yeah, you're right. He was ineffective. I just wanted to add that. I have nothing else to say besides that. Yeah, so I'll counter that and just say this, is that I understand that's true. But then we also have to keep something in mind. Is It's not like Robert Quinn is a veteran that was signed in the middle part of the season that's just getting his feet underneath him. People also have to understand is that my expectations for Robert Quinn are as high as they are because the Bears paid this guy $70 million to go out there and get after the quarterback. And so ultimately, when you look at this, this is not me saying Robert Quinn's a terrible player, but that game against the 49ers with no Khalil Mack was kind of his chance to prove, hey, you know what? The $70 million that I've earned these are or that my contract which has 70 million dollars in it along with incentives and all that kind of stuff this is my chance to earn all 70 million of those dollars as crazy as it sounds and he unfortunately didn't do so has he earned some of that 70 million back this season yeah but hasn't been the whole thing and so when we look at this entire defense we have to realize something okay it can bounce back but what this defense can't do is end up doing what the offense is doing where it's like it's good against bad and average teams and then just bad against really good teams that's i think what's going to make the difference it's like sam you alluded to this if the bears can't slow down arizona or green bay you know what and they can't at least contain and slow down russell wilson and these guys like lamar jackson then you're probably in a situation where you're not going to make the playoffs because after the ravens when you pull up the bears schedule what you begin to notice immediately is that it's all nfc teams just the rest of the way and 
looking at the NFC right now, it's still a lot weaker than the AFC. But after that, I mean, your toughest matchups that you're looking at are basically Arizona, Green Bay, and then the Seattle Seahawks. You have these other teams like Minnesota, Detroit, the New York Giants, pretty beatable teams for the most part. And I list the... Seahawks game as just being a team and a matchup that is incredibly tough for the most part. But ultimately, hey, this defense has a chance to bounce back, but it's got to get fully healthy first with Mac Jackson and the third guy, Akeem Hicks. Yeah, I definitely agree. I don't really have anything else to add to that. Um, obviously, having a healthy defense makes things easier. Um, hopefully, the bye week uh, got some of these guys back and, you know, strength under their legs and We'll see as the injury reports come out this week, but, uh, you know, don't get your hopes up. And uh, again, even if those guys are healthy, I think there's some tough, tough tasks ahead. Yep. I mean, both of you guys kind of, I nothing else to add. I, I agree with your point about Robert Quinn, just to add that too. I, you're paying that much money. He does need a win. Like again, Trent Williams is no pushover, but you do need to generate pressure. And he, I, I'm not sure the exact set number, but it felt like he didn't generate a single quarterback pressure in that game. And we, there were times where he was taken, where Jimmy Grobble could have taken a two hour nap and there still wouldn't have been anybody in his face. So I completely agree. I'm with you. Yeah, it's really amazing before we get into her so takes the last point here. It's just so amazing how when you give an average or an above average quarterback all the time in the world, the reality of the situation is that even that quarterback can slice and dice a defense. But hey, Joe, listen, you've had a couple hot takes. The weather's getting colder in Chicago, so we're going to need extremely hot takes now. But hit me with some hot takes and let's break them down, man. So I'm going to kind of continue what I was doing before my hot take this past week where I kind of gave a prediction of what the Bears should do, and it might be considered hot. So I'm going to say um, I, I don't think it'll happen. That's why I think it's hot. I know a lot of people kind of agree with it, but I don't think they'll do it. I think Tevin Jenkins should be the right tackle, um, effective whenever he's fully healthy, whenever he's good to go. Uh, Larry Barnes should be the left tackle, and Jason Peters should be the left guard. Um, and then at center, you can either have James Daniels or Cody Whitehair, whichever one you feel more comfortable with. And the other guard is whoever isn't the center. Um, again, it doesn't seem like it's super hot, but I know the Bears drafted Tevin Jenkins with the intention of him being the left tackle. Um, I know some people even had problems with me saying that Tevin Jenkins should get playing time early and Peters should move to guard. So I guess that kind of makes it hot. In addition to the fact that um, – Jenkins was drafted to be left tackle, and I believe Larry Borman's better fit for left tackle. So I guess that's my hot take. I mean, like I said, I know a ton of people disagree. So I don't, what are your thoughts on that? I, I don't necessarily disagree with it. I, I mean, I definitely think it's hot because ultimately when you think of a logical solution for the Bears, the Bears just will go ahead and not do it. Um, I obviously think with the Bears having Jenkins work at both tackle positions, I think the option is certainly there. Do I think they're going to move around the interior at all? I don't really know. And will they move Jason Peters to the inside again? It's definitely up in the air. I think they signed him to be the plug and laugh tackle. I don't know if he'd be willing to switch spots, especially at this point in the season. But I think ultimately you're a 39-year-old veteran in the NFL. You were literally on a fishing boat when the Bears called you during the preseason. And you're you know, kind of making money to sort of be – both the short-term solution at left tackle, but also to kind of help coach up some of these younger guys. Maybe you're willing to move to the interior. Who knows? Um, I'm going to say that's pretty hot. That's pretty warm. That would definitely, if that was like hot sauce, I would definitely, I would definitely have a kick for at least 15 to 20 minutes. I think that's pretty spicy. 
yeah, this offensive line, like you said in the beginning of the show, it's going to kind of need some sort of reshuffling. Now, look, I'll reinforce this point about Jason Peters because the only reason he's even here is because the Bears basically mishandled the entire Tevin Jenkins situation when they should have just gotten him surgery from the very start. Apparently, that whole issue has been cleaned up now, and Tevin's going to be ready and good to go, according to what Ryan Pace has said the last time he spoke to the media. So ultimately, when you look at this entire thing, I think Jason Peters is going to stick around for one reason, one reason only, because... I don't want to assume the worst, but what are you going to do if Tevin Jenkins has a setback, right? So Jason Peters has kind of basically said, yeah, I was only looking, I was only going to sign with a team if I deemed it to be the right fit. And guess what? He's familiar with Matt Nagy and Juan Castillo from their days together in Philadelphia. So ultimately you're going to need some sort of reshuffling, but I don't think James Daniels, or I'm sorry, Jason Peters is going to go anywhere for the rest of 2021. But Sam, listen, the stock market rises and falls as do the bears, as do NFL teams. Give me Sam's stocks. Give me your stocks for this week's. Stock up, stock down. What do we got? All right. So uh, obviously a little tough with the Bears on a bye week. Uh, not necessarily sure what players have been progressing well, what players haven't. Uh, my stock up for this week, though, I put Darnell Mooney. Uh, I think he's gonna. I think he's been playing really, really well. He's been clearly the Bears' number one option on offense. I, I would argue that. Um, I think his connection with Fields has been very, very good. They've been progressing really well. I think this is a Ravens defense that plays well but lets up really big plays which I makes me think that Mooney's speed and explosiveness will allow the Bears to have an opportunity to kind of send the ball down deep at times. Um, I definitely think Mooney can have a very, very big game against this Ravens defense. And ultimately, I, I think he's trending upwards in the right direction. Um, so my stocks up are definitely in Mooney. Invest, invest, invest. If you have him in fantasy, I would play him this week. Uh, but of course, with all stocks that are rising, there must be stocks that are falling. Uh, stocks down is the Bears run defense. We alluded to it earlier with some injuries uh, on the Bears defense. It's definitely going to be a lot harder to contain the Ravens run game. We know who Lamar Jackson is. He can absolutely gut your defense. He is the lead rusher uh, for the Ravens. I think he has more rushing yards than like half the teams in the NFL this year. Um, and they have some formidable running backs. Uh, I think Devontae Freeman's been having a solid year for them. Uh, they got a couple other guys as well. It seems like they rotate players all the time. I know they just cut Le'Veon Bell, but whatever. I think Le'Veon Bell is washed. Um, but I think the Bears' run defense is going to struggle a little bit on Sunday, um, especially containing Lamar Jackson. But uh, I think if they can get to him early and the Bears' offense can score some points, I think the bend-don't-break mentality of the Bears' defense can be successful. But I definitely have their stock down. I would not invest in the Bears' defense this week. I really like your Mooney point. Um, I don't know about this week in terms of Mooney. I I don't know. The Ravens' corners are so questionable. Sometimes they're absolutely amazing. Sometimes they lock down everybody. And some weeks they get absolutely burned. Like, they just get absolutely owned. So, I think that's a toss-up. I do think Mooney's stock is up, though. I think he's going to be great long-term for fantasy, possibly. But... I think in general, he's going to give Justin Fields a lot of help. I think Fields is going to open up the passing game a little more, throw downfield more, which means more uh, explosive plays for Mooney and co along with like Marquise Goodwin, maybe Demir Bird, if he ever does anything, but regardless, um, yeah, I think, I think Mooney, I completely agree with that. The Mooney one, I can totally buy. And the reason I'm buying into the Mooney one is because I'm pretty sure I said this last week, but Darnell Mooney is now becoming more important to the Bears offense. 
in terms of his connection with Justin Fields than Allen Robinson. Because again, we established this last week, but I'll say it again. It's a foregone conclusion at this point that Allen Robinson's pretty much gone from the Bears in 2022. Unless Justin Fields goes on a tear over the next eight games and magically convinces him to stay, but we're not going to get into that because Allen Robinson is just so over-discussed in terms of his value. So the Mooney one I could totally buy into. In terms of the defense, I have to say, this isn't the year to start the Bears defense at fantasy anymore. I mean, this isn't a unit that you could rely on to get you 10, 11, 12 points in any sort of fantasy matchup anymore. It used to be that way three years ago, but it's not the case anymore. And so ultimately with the Bears right here, I mean, you're looking at a situation where it's like invest more into the offense rather than the defense. But before we get out of here, guys, Ravens are coming to town Sunday. We're going to break the game down on YouTube, give you guys a preview. That's going to be recorded on Wednesday, probably out Thursday or Friday. But Sam, let me hear your score predictions for Bears-Ravens. Uh, I have Bears 23, Ravens 27. I think this is going to be a higher scoring game than people think. Um, I think the Bears offense will continue to take some strides, especially with Justin Fields. Ultimately, I think the Ravens are the better team. Um I don't think this is necessarily an easy game for the Bears. I'm not going to count them out necessarily um, because every time I count them out, they somehow manage to stay within games. And every time I think the Bears are going to do well, they end up getting smoked. Um, I think that, again, I think this is a Ravens defense that the Bears can exploit, but I don't know if the Bears defense, even if fully healthy, can slow down this Ravens offense, especially with the Ravens coming off a longer week. I know obviously the Bears are coming off a longer week. The Bears are 0-3 in the Matt Nagy era off the bye. So I don't know if things are going to just suddenly change this week. Um, I think it could be a close game ultimately, though, but I think the Ravens are just going to be the better team. So I have Ravens 27, Bears 23. I have pretty similar. Uh, I have the Bears losing to the Ravens 31-24. My reasoning behind it, you have Lamar Jackson against a defense that can't tackle. That that's simply put right there. He's gonna drop back the pass. We're gonna maybe generate some pressure, even with Khalil Mack. He's gonna escape, he's gonna gain some yards. Um, and on top of that, you got Marquise Brown, who additionally very elusive and against a secondary that can't tackle. We're gonna have trouble stopping these guys when they have the ball in their hands. They're gonna set up screen games like crazy. They're gonna set up short passes and let their playmakers get yards after catch. Um, I don't see a potential opportunity where we shut down that offense unless maybe we can tackle, but unless something drastic changes between the whole past eight games and the rest of the, and the rest of the season, I don't see that happening. Uh, I think the bears offense continues to be hot though. I think we still put up a good 24 points and I don't think it's garbage time points. I think it's actually, we're trying to stay in the game. Just again, nothing against our defense personally. Again, I love our defense, love the talent. They just can't tackle. I don't think it's a good matchup personally, but Hey, anything can happen. Listen, you guys know me well enough to know that I'm not going to pick the Bears against the Ravens. I'm going to say Ravens 27, Bears 21. The Bears do put up a respectable number of points off touchdowns, no field goals this game. So that's going to be some progress. But ultimately, I think that if the Bears are going to go into Soldier Field on Sunday and then pull off the upset, you're looking at basically what's going to be a very tough and scrappy Ravens team. There's also this additional element is that the Bears have absolutely sucked under Matt Nagy right out of the bye week. It's been like loss after loss after loss, okay? And then the Ravens, they just lost a game to the Dolphins, so you know they're going to be more motivated than ever to kind of come in here. The Ravens, anytime they have a bad game, 
they seemingly always bounce back. So that's what you're going to be looking at here. I think that it is going to be a tough, fun, physical matchup between two teams that are basically built and predicated on defense. But ultimately, I'm going to give the Ravens the upper hand specifically because they're just better than everything compared to the Bears. Okay, so I'm going to pick the Ravens and this one, 27-21. That there's my score prediction. Anyways, we're going to get out of this place, guys. Make sure you're following myself, Sam, and Joe on Twitter at ShySportsSam, at Usaid Colshaw, at Joseph Herf NFL. Be sure you're checking out Fireside Bears on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. All right, we'll be back next week with a recap of the weekly show. We may have a couple special guests on, but also, guys, Thanksgiving's getting closer, so I guess a happy early Thanksgiving, and then we'll wish you guys another Thanksgiving next week. A happy Thanksgiving next week. Bear down. Peace out. Have a great week. Stay safe. Stay warm. Bye-bye, guys. Bear down. Bear down.